0: Real Madrid are the king of kings. We've got two big leagues back in action this weekend, more transfer gossip than you can shake a stick at, and a London derby to look forward to. I'm Dan Burke, this is the One Football Podcast, and I'm joined today, as always, by Matt Froelich. Hello. And Daniel Kudeda-Jordan.
1: Hey, hey, thanks for having us.
0: Hello, hello. So, uh, how are we doing? Having a good week, everybody?
1: Pretty summery, pretty warm. So, Yeah can't uh you can't say that often really can you
0: you can't really no yeah the worst thing about these uh these summertime podcast recordings is you have to close all your windows and turn off your fan at least i do and just sit here sweating so yeah but maybe i should just do it in my underpants in future or something that might be <laughs> easiest
2: i feel like this is the only week of the football season where there's not even uh a lot going on during the week apart from one game. Yeah, so yeah. it's quite nice.
1: There's always
0: Wednesday there's three. always loads going on in football though, isn't there? Even if there's not games going on, there's always something happening.
1: Some dude has new okay, boots well. or a jersey or something, <laughs> and, yeah. you know. And you have to like pay attention because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Fomo.
2: You, wow. Or if Spurs, Spurs release a third kit which looks like two different kits put together.
0: Yeah. What was the um, <laughs> the color the, col- the, col- the colors on that one? Something rift blue and. Uh, <laughs> Rift Blue and Mystic Navy apparently you, uh, Mystic you
2: can't, Navy you wow. can't just put words before a colour
1: nah it's, I mean apparently it apparently works out, like nonchalant grey or something like that you know like what does that even mean <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to mean anything it's so nonchalant it's <laughs> exactly. exactly it's so laid back <laughs> it's abstract it's meta
0: <laughs> City had a ghost green kit a few years ago oh, which uh, I enjoyed how'd you yeah. see that hey <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah yeah oh
2: my god yeah <laughs>
0: Anyway, before we get stuck into the uh, the proper nitty-gritty, just a reminder that if you want to interact with the podcast uh, this season, and well, then we'd love you to do so, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or tweet us at FussballDan or...
2: At Matt underscore Froelich. i still kept it. I'll change it to make it something easier to spell.
0: Make them learn to spell your name, <laughs> yeah. Matt. That would be my advice.
2: Yeah, okay. It's on don't, them, don't, not don't, on you, Don't
0: Matt. bow to public pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we'd love to field some listener questions this season. And we've, uh, we've actually got a great one coming up at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to begin today, uh, with the UEFA Super Cup, which took place in Helsinki on Wednesday night. I don't know if you saw that photo doing the rounds of the drinks prices in Helsinki, but it was, uh, it was not cheap to go there and have a, have a beer and watch your team. So, uh, fair play to anyone who did that. Uh, Real Madrid, of course, ran out two, uh, nil winners over Eintracht Frankfurt. My first question on this one is the Super Cup a genuine trophy? Disgust.
2: I feel like it would be a genuine trophy if they played it, which is stupid because it would add a longer season after the Champions League and Europa League finals. Because it's to do with last season. Mm. So you're almost concluding the European season. Like having it at the beginning of next season, people are like, does it count? Does it not count? Everyone's in pre-season. It happens before the league starts. So it, feel, it feels a bit pre-season-y. Um, you know, kind of like a curtain raiser that the charity shield is. So mm. it is a genuine trophy, but I think there would be more to it if they played it after, um, yeah, after winning the other tournaments at the back end of June.
0: Would you? Yeah. What do you reckon, Daddy? Is it prestigious enough?
1: Um, the way I see it is, is an hors of a meal. I don't think it is. <laughs> I just think it's a really good I – mean, it's food. It depends how
0: hungry you are, I guess. I mean, yeah, it depends yeah. on who's
1: cooking. But um, uh, I think it's – I agree with Matt on that. I definitely have a bit more weight if it's sort of like the, like the closure of the season. Because then on top of everything Matt just said, you have different squads in many cases. Like Frankfurt lost four or five pieces, uh, brought in a gazillion names as well. So obviously it's a very different vibe. And um, it just feels – I would go again with the summer, but it just feels summery yet. So it's not like proper, proper football quite yet, is it?
0: Yeah, I think my take on it would be if I was writing an article about Karim Benzema, for example, and I was listing the trophies that he's won during his career, I would list the Champions Leagues, I would list the La Liga titles, I would list the Copa del Reyes. Probably wouldn't mention the Super Cups. So I don't, I'm not sure how much weight it has, really.
2: It just goes yeah, like no. one game to win a trophy is a bit there.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's the same yeah, with the Community Shield. It's the same with all of these... I mean, I, I guess on the continent, uh, you know, in, in Spain and, and Italy and Germany, the, the Super Cups are taken a little bit more seriously than, than they are in England, aren't they? But, yeah, I, I mean, I like that they exist. I just don't really think it's a big deal. Yeah.
2: I also imagine, like, these players who didn't, who weren't part of the squad. Like, last night, I think, Chouameni and Rudiger got brought on for their debuts so for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And not only did they just come into a one-game tournament and now have a trophy next to their name, they also weren't part of the team that earned the right to play in that game. So yeah, yeah. everything just feels a bit odd about it.
0: <laughs> That's another thing about debuts. There's so much talk about debuts these days. Erling Haaland made his debut for City in pre-season. Then he made his competitive debut. Then he made his Premier League <laughs> debut. Next week it's his home debut. Like what? Which one Champions is it? League yeah, game like after which one that? is it? Surely it's. You've, either your first game or that's it like you, you only get one chance to make a debut sure yeah
1: and then i think
2: your first competitive game
1: yeah yeah and then also like it trickles down like their debut uh, header goal or all that stuff as well like i don't know i just think we're obsessed <laughs> with finding the next best new thing that we literally just make up categories at this point like best i don't know substitute in the 35th minute of the tournament or something like that it's just I do know. we're getting too keen and very specific on these kind of uh you know, fun facts that don't really matter in the game. It's it's almost like we make
2: up headlines for a living. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Really? People do that? But speaking of Karim Benzema um, he's still pretty good isn't he? To, to everybody's surprise I guess or nobody's surprise however, however you see it I mean I think that goal he scored was pretty shit goalkeeping from Kevin Trapp to be perfectly honest yeah, with you but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he's uh, he's still pretty pretty good player um, he's what 34 now going on 35 how long do we reckon he can yes. go on for?
1: Ooh, um, this is a tough question <laughs> I think he has like one decent two year contract left in him besides what he actually has right now so maybe yeah twenty. Five, twenty-six, maybe thirty-five, thirty-six, maybe would be like a good, you know, move to MLS kind of age, I think, for him.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. It, it, the thing is, as well, he like when you look at Luka Modric, it kind of seems to be a thing where Real Madrid are prepared to give him that long if he keeps performing. I can think of other clubs who, maybe even after thirty years old, you know, Chelsea have that thing of not giving more than a year's contract to someone over thirty. Mm. Hmm like is a bit crazy. So maybe some a team would have an eye on someone younger or they'd say oh, they're getting on a bit and maybe they try to push them out or not really give them too long a contract. But Real Madrid don't really seem to be like that. And, you know, it's it's proving to be very beneficial for them. We saw it with Sergio Ramos. And we've seen it with Marcelo. We've seen it, obviously, with Luka Modric. Like I mentioned, he's going to be 37, I think, next week. And mm-hmm. uh, we're seeing it with Benzema that, so what? if they're into their 30s, they're still going to be doing the business. I also think it's probably really cliche to say, and I feel kind of a bit sick saying it anyway, because football isn't this one-dimensional. But when someone's game doesn't rely on pace, you kind of assume that they'll be fine Yeah. when they get into their mid-30s. But it doesn't always work out like that. But yeah, if you've got someone like Vinicius Jr. buzzing around you, doing a lot of work, and Karen Benzema doesn't need to move as much, and there's no reason why... He can't sort of keep going. He's not going to run himself into the ground, is he? Or sort of no. ruin his hamstrings?
0: No. Well, I'm 34, going on 35, and last night I did a 5k run. So if I can do that, you know, Benzema can, can certainly keep going, can't he? I think there's no there's no slowing him down.
1: <laughs> it's also it's also kind of like a weird thing because we're we're used to discussing age uh, footballers' age in a very different scale that we discuss regular people age. Like, you know, I don't feel like I'm on my deathbed because I'm 34, you know, but here we're talking about Benzema, like how long does he have left? It's, um, I don't know, it's a bit <laughs> yeah. eerie that whole way we just focus on the fact that, you know, mm. oh, he's 34. Oh, he's shy already. Not necessarily. The guy's <laughs> still, you know, decent, has a couple legs. But I think also it's a matter of the... Madrid can do this because they can also afford to do this. Like not that many clubs have the financial muscle to like pull out a fifty million euro contract. I'm speculating here. I don't I don't have the number of how much he earns actually. But a contract that big on a player there I, you know, contradict myself that old. Um it's just I not know, it's just a bit odd that, you know, they're they're like the one one of the few teams that can actually do that. Maybe We saw a good example of that in Bayern uh, this season that they were kind of not even nitty-picky with Lewandowski about the money they were giving him. It was more about the length of the contract, and we saw that implode. Um, So I don't know. It really is a fair shout to to Real Madrid for keeping that going and keeping Benzema on the payroll and being a great performer, being arguably one of the best strikers uh, currently in football. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's, it's, it's a good shout that he gets to stay around because he's that good, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I felt like I was ready for my deathbed after that 5k run. Let me tell you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think. And
2: then Real Madrid pulled out a new contract. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. God, if I must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another 5k next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the. Uh, I mean, I bloody hate the Ballon d'Or as as a uh, long time listeners will know. But is the the nominations uh, for that award on Friday this week? I, I can't see past Benzema winning it. Can I, Has anyone else got a, a chance of winning it? Nope. Let's nah. I mean, talk of Messi. Will it? What does he? Is he just like a participation trophy for Messi? Now he just he just gets one for existing. Like, or, or he, he surely didn't do enough last year to win.
1: Yeah, pay for pay five and get a six one for free is what it kind of feels like yeah. at this point. But uh, no, nah, maybe Lewandowski, and even then, because he didn't really do that much in the Champions League front. Um, I think it's a show in for Benson. Also, there were no mm-hmm. big tournaments and uh, the men's game, at least, um, happening. Like national team, though. Like I can't even think of a a performance beyond Benzema's to be worthy of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you have to win the Champions League, don't you? Or you have to do something maybe at international level. If there's a summer tournament, oh, if you don't yeah. if you don't do that, then you, you don't have a chance of winning
1: You're it, discarded. Think, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Ya. We'll see how that one pans out. Uh, a little word on Eintracht Frankfurt. They got pumped six one by Bayern Munich on the opening day of the Bundesliga season. They lost this game. Any concern, Danny, about their starts of the season? Do you think, or are they just they've just come up against two teams who are way better than them, and they'll be fine.
1: I think they're still kind of getting into the motion um, with Glasner as a coach. It used to happen with Wolfsburg as well, where he coached there. It's kind of a uh, – he's a bit unstable uh, as a coach when it comes to results. Um, Frankfurt, keep in mind, finished the Bundesliga last season, the bottom half of the table. They were only playing Champions League because they won the Europa League. So it's a team that, even though it's good, and I think its it's a decent squad – um, well, not having Kostic was arguably or was arguably the biggest uh, piece of the, of the team and having a very, very sloppy uh, trap at uh, the beginning of the season, you're down two of 11 players that are really, really, you know, key. Uh, so I think the more the team starts I don't know, uh, getting back in shape or getting back in form, competitive rhythm and all that, I think things will get better. I don't see them, however, being um, as stellar as many people were aware or wanting to make them uh, come out uh, this summer during the transfer windows and everything. They bought decent players, but it's not going to be an easy one, especially with Dortmund having a really good summer, Leipzig having a really good summer, Leverkusen having a good summer. I don't know. It's getting tricky up in the top of the Bundesliga, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about Philip Kostic in a bit. Uh, first, we're going to talk about one of the the big leagues that is coming back this weekend. That's La Liga. Kicks off this weekend. Real Madrid will be looking to defend their crown. Matt, would you say they're they're really strong favourites to win it again? Have they have they say, shaken the squad up sufficiently this summer to go again? Uh,
2: I would say so. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is. We'll probably get onto Barcelona in a second. But maybe partly because they're very good, Real Madrid, as we've seen, and partly due to a lack of competition. I think they have to be favourites to win it again. Uh I think Chuameni's a great signing. Rudiger's also good just to give them it sounds stupid to say that those two are backups because Rudiger's, Rudiger's is an experienced international and Chuameni cost 80 million. <laughs> so to be a backup is a bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like Casemiro cross Modric, like we mentioned, no signs yet of them slowing down. Uh having someone as much as I think Nacho has been very um you know, very loyal to Real Madrid. Whenever Nacho stepped in, it was just a slight bit of a downgrade from, from someone like Militao or wherever he stepped in at right back or left back. So, yeah, to have Rudiger in there as well is just a really good sign. I think Real Madrid have built on, importantly, like Danny said, you know, you've taken away Frankfurt's two best players. Real Madrid have built on what made them so good. Like, there's even more top players around the spine where they haven't lost anyone major. They knew um, for a long time Marcelo, Isco Bale were all going to leave. So you know those guys by the end those three w- weren't even needed. So you know they've they've shedded some dead wood, brought in some quality players, and uh, Luka Jovic also gone as well. I can't see any reason why they would suddenly not be as good. Yeah, exactly. is is the long and short of it?
0: Yeah, I guess the only problem for them. Is that the only way is down from last season, isn't it? Really, they won the the, yeah. the, the title, they won the Champions League. Like, yeah, true. You, you either match that, or you or you're uh, you, you know you, you're having a bad season by comparison. You know, it's probably not the end of the world if they don't win either. And I, I wouldn't imagine they would win the Champions League this year, but then I would have said that about them last season. So, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would certainly be uh, wary about uh, Man City coming up against them in the Champions League again. Um, Danny, is it a little bit weird to you that um, you know they were they were. Highly interested in Kylian Mbappe, uh, there's some of they knew pretty early on, and there's some that they weren't going to get that signing done that he was going to stay at PSG. That they haven't bought anyone else in in that position.
1: I think, um, well, two things happen. I think that the, sport, the, the 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 team planning initially didn't contemplate Madrid being the winner of everything. Okay, I mean, of course they go out and play that. They do that. They do the Madrid thing they they always do, and every time we talk about them, we always end up in the discussion—the Madrid gene in Europe or whatever it is, the Madrid (laughs) DNA we call it. Um, But then you realize, like, it was just buying. It's kind of like buying a Lamborghini, isn't it? You don't need a Lamborghini, but if you can afford it, fine, have one. Um, The team works just fine. They have enough enough depth in every single position. I think Uh, they brought in two decent. Very decent players to add more to the depth, like Matt was saying just now, and um, really like no one is, is flaking. I actually think one of the best things that could happen to the uh, to Madrid was not signing Mbappe because now you get to have like an actual exercise of well, what do we need in the team? How can we work around this? So now you have Vinicius Junior is now you know a, a certain player in the in the starting eleven as a backup. You have Eden Hazard who's kind of slowly coming back into his old shape. Rodrigo's playing well. You have Asensio Vasquez who are always rotating around there. There's Benzema who is untouchable because he because he's fantastic, really. Um, so I do think that in hindsight uh, signing Mbappe would have been more would have been not only way more expensive for the in this in the financial sense, but also would have been more disruptive maybe in the the chemistry because he would want minutes. But arguably, you really can't justify benching any of the guys that won it last season, can you? Like, everyone played their part. They played it quite well. Um, And, yeah, I mean, they're keeping Kroos, Modric, and Casemiro in the midfield for way too longer than I thought they would have initially anticipated. Uh, And everyone was performing. So, I think it was more of a fact that they... Which kind of also gave me that feeling that towards the end, they weren't really pushing that hard. Like, they just... Did their offer? Final offer? Take it or leave it? They didn't take it, and I was like, okay, let's move on to the next best thing. They signed Chuamini and the team seems very, very balanced right now. I think Mbappe would have thrown that off a little bit, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as for Barcelona, you know, they uh, they finished last season really strongly. I think they were they were eighth when Xavi took over. They finished second in the end. You know, they had yeah. that amazing performance in the Bernabeu beating Real Madrid as well. Um, they look pretty well equipped to to uh you know challenge Real Madrid properly for the title this season. They've made some made some good signs, Lewandowski being the main one, but Rafinha, Kunde, uh, Christensen, Kristensen, Kessier. Matt, I, I mean, let's assume that they can register all those players and you know everything goes smoothly in that department, which is by no means guaranteed. Uh do you reckon mm. that they're in a, they're in good shape, Barca?
2: Yeah, I would say so. They've signed really Really top quality players with good experience there. It doesn't seem to be that obviously they're joining a new team and some of them are joining a new league. There doesn't seem to be a player who you would assume wouldn't fit in straight away. Um, you know, all of them have played for their country. All of them have played Champions League football, a bar Rafinha. No, no, I think Rafinha played that season at Rennes. Um, potentially Champions League football uh, you know what I mean they're, they're all sort of really experienced they're not building up with younger players and sort of planning a project I think now definitely with a, with what Xavi's shown as well as a manager in the last few months they're, they're ready to challenge potentially towards the top of the league um, like you said if you look what Xavi did in the time that he was given you're now getting a full season out of him I think they could but on the other hand Real Madrid seem a Sort of, it feels like this squad knows how and knows what to do. Not that a lot of people at Barcelona don't, but this is, you know, it's a very different Barcelona mm. side to the one to the one that won their title when they last won the league. Um, nineteen
0: was it? I think so. Yeah, I believe.
2: Yeah, yeah. Two thousand eighteen, nineteen. You know, it's vastly different from three years ago. Yeah.
0: Any doubts for you Matt, about Lewandowski maybe like you know he's uh, he's 33 now it's his first season in Spain first season outside germany for a long time or is he just going to kill it wherever he goes basically
2: Yeah he's going <laughs> to kill it wherever he goes I mean, you you you've seen the guy is in peak physical condition um unbelievably good finisher i don't think he's the kind of um i don't think he's the kind of player to not really make an effort to, to understand how the team plays it doesn't seem certainly from my point of view very selfish. Um and yeah, I just really think he's gonna fit in well. But on top of this, Barcelona obviously have a wealth of other attacking options yeah. that, that can make them good. But yeah, I can't see any reason why um Lewandowski wouldn't score at least sort twenty to thirty this season. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Danny, uh, Matt, and I made a very ham-fisted attempt at trying to explain this financial situation at Barcelona on, on Monday's oh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe you can you can shed any more light on it. Like, what 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 are these economic levers? What the hell is going on?
1: Well, long story short, there's two numbers to pay attention. One is uh, cash flow, which is what allows, uh, which is what La Liga looks into. Uh, when you want to register a player or not, not purchase them—that's a fully different number that has nothing to do with, uh, with with cash flow. But the whole point of La Liga's system or financial—it's not even a fair play. What we call it, like a salary cap kind of thing—is mm-hmm. um, that you're not meant to uh, register or you can't register a team that's more expensive than what you can actually afford. Which is a very you know solid way to explain or to like base the discussion around. Fair enough, you have. 20 players, but you can only afford to register 15. It's because you have five that are simply too much for you financially. So, uh, keeping that in mind, uh, you also have to keep in mind Barcelona squad before Lewandowski and all these guys came were, was around the 550 million euro mark. So it's mighty, mighty big. That's why when you see the, the La Liga the b- budget or a salary cap, it, Barca actually have a negative hundred something million because it's that much, that's not that much more money they have to drop. What is happening right now is that the cash flow is being altered by these levers that you mentioned. So they had three levers they executed. Uh, Basically, they've sold their TV rights for the next or percentage of the TV rights for the next uh, decade or so they sold around 50% of Barca studios. Uh, And then there's obviously the Frankie, de Jong question or whoever's (laughs) going to leave. I mean, the guy, I feel bad for the guy after all, after all has happened this summer, but long story short, they, they just basically got a massive cash injection in the club, which kind of tilts the balance in their favor to what it comes to what you can register. So even though the salary cap says you have a deficit of, of, available resources to sign players i.e. get rid of players you have to um that money kind of counterbalances that a little bit to a point where you can sign them and now the registration part is basically fickles away like they just have to close i think it's like an extra 60 million they have to solve basically mm-hmm. selling frankie de Jong. Uh, and they would be able to register everybody. It's a clusterfuck. It makes no sense. It's them <laughs> just finding loopholes and jumping through every single one of those loopholes. But I mean, uh, jumping through a hole or a loophole takes talent, I guess. Uh, it's you know not the same thing to break a rule and to bend it. And they're bending it like Beckham,
0: mate. Yeah, they certainly are. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, you did a video about Barca today, actually, Matt. Did, any any closer to understanding the situation or?
2: Uh, no, I leave Danny to the maths. He seems <laughs> to have his head screwed on. Um, I, I I really was looking at the maths ever so slightly and just just decided it wasn't for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'll talk about the football. And I, I'd see that funny thing that weren't they? They were sort of doing some building work at the camp new to stop people spying. Oh yeah, on um, oh, Bartimaeus' office, Lep- the porter's office even, whilst <laughs> like. Spying on his office
1: i mean <laughs> it's in shambles man there was a video like at the
0: beginning of this week
1: <laughs> that there were like rats in the roof of Camp no uh oh yeah, yeah i heard that there's heard like that, cracks. Yeah. In what the... a
0: metaphor that is
1: I, I mean i was thinking about the part of the last scene of the departed every single second i saw that video i was like yeah perfect yeah there's a rat in here and uh <laughs> yeah kind of stinks stinks a bit yeah. but yeah yeah i'll leave it at that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah every time i sort of hear this all these stories that you know, there's about eight new stories about this situation per day, and my eyes just glaze over. I just sort of go into standby, I think, and uh, I have to slap myself to kind of wake myself up again. It's just uh, <laughs> you, you, too much. You funny. know what it
2: is? I just you 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 just know that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. You see all this like yeah. you th- these headlines like Barcelona aren't going to be able to register players, or they're going to go bankrupt. But no, they're not.
0: Yeah, no, no they're they not, will. mate. They will. You turn they're your TV on one
2: minute before they kick off their La Liga season. Yeah, all the players will be there. They'll be there in La Liga. You kind of, I kind of want these crazy things to happen in football, just because <laughs> it will be a bit mad to see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what would happen if zombies took over the world?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you an experiment. You, you, you kind of want to see just what would happen if a club actually went bust. Yeah, but it's, True, just, yeah. it's never going to happen. It's just never, never going to happen. I mean, I'm like you, Dan. Ignore the headlines. It's like
0: a few years ago when there were all those uh, prison sentences being handed out for like tax evasion and stuff. And did anyone actually do any time? Did they fuck? Like, it's just like, but it was it was reported as if like you know Lionel Messi or whoever sentenced to so many years in prison. Oh, is he? Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll meet him at the pavilion then for lunch. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's just a bizarre (laughs) feeling of the whole thing. What I do think is a, I mean, it's it's a slim chance, but it's actually plausible. That since, since these guys are basically mortgaging their future or sh- midterm future uh, to for this season basically, if these guys don't make it to the final eight of the Champions League or dare say semifinals, is there a payoff? Is there something like mm-hmm. what's what's the plan next season? Because you can only bend the rules so much for so <laughs> long, right? Eventually it's gonna crack, and yeah. uh, that's where I'm interesting to see like how are what, what's going to happen next season when all these new. Um, Pro rated contracts that you have because it, it's like a scale mo- uh, yeah, system that they have with the contracts. If you earn 20 million, you get two now, five next year, and three and four are, you know, you get a lot more money out of those seasons. What happens next year when Lewandowski's new clauses kick in? When mm-hmm. uh, Obama Young, if he's still there, those kick in as well. Kessier's, uh, Christensen's, everyone that's been like foregoing or for, or, yeah, forgoing the wages all these years has been uh, in the, with the promise that they will get it back sooner than later. That's the the big question that so no one's answering or asking right now because we're just focusing on getting the guys registered for this season Why we'll the next season but these guys are far 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 away from out from being, you know, solvent financially. Yeah. It's just going to get worse by the year. So, I don't know, man. They either win the Champions League this season or they're pretty much screwed, man, I think, honestly.
0: Yeah. It's like taking out a payday loan to pay off a payday loan. It's going to catch up with you eventually, isn't it? Exactly. You it's you like taking a credit, yeah.
1: getting a new credit card to pay your old credit card bill. So cool. Yeah, it's yeah. just you know, changing the aspect, of the color of the you know card, basically, but
0: same yeah. problem, isn't it? And with all that in mind, surely they're not going to be able to sign Bernardo Silva from City, are they? Surely.
1: How not we said that about Lewandowski? How not we said <laughs> that about saying every single signing they make? Uh,
2: but uh, would you, would you take a swap deal with De Jong, Dan? Uh,
0: Ooh. They're not the same player, though, are they? They're not even really close to being the same player. Yeah, but
2: you don't need De Jong to be that player. It's just
0: We don't need De Jong to be player. De Jong in our team, though, because we got Rodri and Calvin Phillips. So yeah. I think that's. So we've sort of got that box ticked already. Yeah, yeah. But I just hope Bernardo stays. I was man, hoping you would put is... my mind at ease there, Danny, but you did not. So thanks very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, man. Let's, Let's uh, let's touch on the the other potential title contenders in La Liga quickly. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, Atlético Madrid. They've signed Nahuel Molina, uh, Axel Witsel. They've got Morata and Saul coming back. Are you expecting a bit better from them this season, Matt?
2: Uh, you would think so. You would think they, they've signed some pretty solid players. I have no idea what the future holds for Morata and Saul. I was seeing um, the whole reason he left for Chelsea in the first place is because he didn't want to play winger, right? Um, under uh, under Diego Simeone, he didn't want to play as a sort of makeshift wing back, and really wanted to play central midfield. And now he's come back to find that they've signed Axel Witzel as well. <laughs> uh, so I I'm not quite sure what he's going to make of the um of the summer. Uh, as with Maratta again, I saw a conspiracy theory one of these Twitter pages. It was like Maratta's a
0: money launderer.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that
0: one. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like teams just keep swapping him about and I've again no idea where they'll play S- after two teams
0: three. specifically because yeah. he just I can yeah, never yeah. remember which one he still plays for. Is he at Juventus? Yeah. Is he at atletico Madrid? Like it could be any I, at any point. Until,
2: yeah. uh, until you told me the other day, I was like I did not know he was back from Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, not not a clue really. I think um Yeah, the problem was last season wasn't exactly ideal, like to finish behind Barcelona, who by all accounts had an absolute catastrophe. Uh, it doesn't kind of bode well. The only thing I will say about them is their kit is is bloody awful. <laughs> oh, it looks so... Less of that, less of that on
1: our TV, please. <laughs> it's like candy canes is what they look like. Yeah, exactly. God, it's awful, aren't, yeah.
0: Aren't they nicknamed them the deck chairs, Atletico Madrid? Uh, well,
1: Not in the... Spanish, they're colchoneros, uh, which is something regarding mattresses because mattresses back in the day used to be red right and white, yeah. why. Yeah, uh, that's why. So red and white. Yeah. Um, but uh, But yeah, I mean... Why would you want to dress like a mattress, though? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been puzzling me ever since like, I realized that's the nickname. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This, this is a weird season for them, for sure. Uh, I think what happens with Atletico in the end is no matter who they sign, A, they have a coach that's able to bring out the best of them. I, I trust him on you know, it fully in that regard. But his fetish for really, really short squads is what brings him down in the end, isn't it? Like It just takes two, three injuries for the team to just collapse. And uh, they already have Jimenez, who's still injured right now. Um, and I don't know like Savage is prone to injury Hermoso is prone to injury and I'm just talking about defenders right now then there's Llorente de Paul eh, eh, Saúl sorry it's just I don't know I don't see these guys um, surviving the injury runs this season especially now that Barca are back in their game kind of uh, it's, yeah. it's a complicated one to be honest with you
0: Anyone else who might get involved in the title race Danny Sevilla maybe Gennaro Gotusos Valencia
1: no, mate. Valencia, no way in hell. <laughs> that team is is just a good experiment, but little more. Uh, maybe Sevilla could be a good shout, but that's already kind of like pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, I think it's a two-horse race with Atletico a potential surprise if everything goes according to plan for them, and it doesn't go according to plan to Madrid and Barca, which seems very, very unlikely. Um, Sevilla have a also like a, a squad issue in the sense that they're kind of uh, tight when it comes to the depth of the team. Real Sociedad is... Far from that even. Villarreal, Emery can bring something out of them, but I don't see none of these teams, any of these teams uh, competing in three fronts, you know, Europe and both domestic fronts, and having a smooth time, honestly. I think it's basically down to the two same guys from always. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the Mediterranean Celtic Rangers rivalry,
0: let's call it that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's it been a one-horse race for the past couple of years, True, hasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. At least a two-horse race would be the Hey, that's twice as much,
1: man. What else do
0: you want <laughs> <Some laughs> Very good maths there, yeah. Well done. Hey. Yeah. I see why you're the numbers guy on this oh, podcast. percent yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Moving on now, and uh, we've also got the Serie A season getting underway this weekend. Uh, Milan, of course, are the reigning champions of that one. Are you expecting them to win it again this year, Matt?
2: Uh, no. And not because I don't think they're very good. I just think Serie A's really open and really interesting. <laughs> and you've always got to expect the revival of Juventus at some point. You can hate on them, <laughs> but it's inevitable that they will turn it around. Um, look, there's been three different champions in the last three years in Italy: Juve, Inter, and then, and then AC Milan. Um, I don't know I just feel like it'll be an interesting title race and probably not one where you could pinpoint an absolute favourite if we see the Lukaku that we saw from a couple of years ago that automatically makes into a, a far greater side um, it looks like they're going to be losing a few players I know that is it Scriniar is on his way to PSG potentially
0: apparently it's sort of broken down was yeah. what the talk oh, was today that uh, they've not been able to agree a deal they want quite a lot of money for him I think so yeah maybe maybe not oh, in all maybe, fairness maybe he's well.
1: fantastic too
2: yeah, yeah, is yeah. a very good player. Yeah. So if him and Bastoni stay, yeah, even better. Um, but yeah, I, I can see Juventus begrudgingly because it was quite warm <laughs> that they're winning all the time, coming back into the title race. Yeah, not not to bet anything against Milan, but I just think there are some there are some very strong teams in Serie A. That's what makes it interesting for
0: me. Yeah, but you, uh, while we were waiting to record, Matt, you pulled up some interesting facts about Milan's new six foot four Belgian signing, didn't you?
2: Yeah, he lives at home with his mum. So
1: <laughs> there, there you go. Bit early I, for the mum jokes man not, in the season,
2: isn't it? They, no, no, it generally <laughs> says the six foot four Belgian attacking midfielder lives with his mother. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. She probably keeps him grounded.
0: Yeah? Oh, like, who, love, who, that. Who love, that love that. Who doesn't love a home coo- <laughs> a home cooked meal and having yeah, the washing done? Exactly. Oh yeah, I miss yeah, exactly. I missed that upon that. That was very good actually, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Not out uh not out partying. Now coming home late, I hope she sets a curfew for him because uh, he's got a big future. Yeah, six foot four as well. I didn't. We, we said we didn't realise he was that tall. Jesus, yep. that's
0: we're, talk, we're talking about. Oh. I, I believe you say Charles de Cattolere. I've been playing a lot of FIFA with Derek Ray commentating, so I know how to pronounce all the players' names. Is, these is things that things. I think so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
1: De Cattolere. I,
2: I yeah. like to think that when when players change teams they automatically adopt the pronunciation of that country, that country <laughs> so like if it's not charles de ketelare now sounding uh, far more italian carlo I'd be really de ketelare yeah <laughs> and when when and when and when man city sign him it will be charles ketelar <laughs> charlie <laughs> or charlie Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, no, he does look a very good player. I only saw him briefly for um, Club Bruges in the Champions League. Uh, I believe they were in Man City's group. Yeah, was that's season. when I
0: saw him, yeah. Um,
2: yeah, that there. Well, there you go. Um, I saw him in the games against City and against PSG. I believe he might have scored, or he scored the year before against someone in the Champions League can couldn't remember who it was. Anyway,
0: looks like a very good player. He does, yeah. Leeds were in for him as well, weren't they? But he's, uh, he's gone to Milan, mm. so good luck to him. Yeah, Matt mentioned it there. Danny Lukaku back at Inter. Do you reckon that's, that's going to be pretty massive for them, for for them trying to regain the Scudetto?
1: Well, you're rebuilding uh, the tandem, basically. Lukaku-Lautaro, which was fantastic the year they won the season. Uh, add to that that they have Edin Zeko as well. So they have a lot of depth and attack right now. There's Joaquin Correa as well. Uh, I think Gozens can play up and forth a little bit. Dumfries adds a lot of depth from behind. It's a, it's a really interesting team, to be quite honest. Um, I've always fancied Inter to be that sort of close but no cigar team. But the last couple seasons have proven that they really do have sort of like this edge to winning a championship. They already won the league ones. Uh, they're really competitive in Europe lately. Um, and if Skriniar is staying uh, and the Kipastoni and the Frey defences in really, really good hands... Trying to be as good puns here as possible, like Matt, but you know, it's a <laughs> tough game to beat. Um, but I think it's a really interesting squad what they have. But having said all that, I do see Juve and with Vlahovic and all the players have been signing lately. Juve have like a really, really interesting squad this season for the first time in, I dare I say, at least three or four years, because Juve were kind of going through the motion for the better part of the past years um, and just relying on the fact that competition was not as stiff as it is right now. Um, but I mean, the more you see this team, Juve, they built something
0: for sure yeah yeah i forgot about Vlahovic at Juve, actually i'm still uh, i'm still waiting to see whether he is the it real of didn't deal or whether happen, he's
1: did it, it kind of like whether, came <laughs> and went he's but, be a, you know the,
0: the next andrea Bellotti or the next um, <laughs> uh, what's his name Piontek. like yeah, I, yeah. you know I, I always think of those kind of flash in the pan strikers that you get occasionally in uh, in Serie A. And, true yeah yeah but, Vlachovic looks looks a cut above. They're also very close to signing Philip Kostic. Do you reckon he's going to be a good buy for them, Danny, from Frankfurt?
1: 100%. He's the sort of player that is not... I mean, keep in mind, this dude went from going down to second Bundesliga with Hamburg to winning the Europa League with Frankfurt. Now he's on his way to Juve. Uh, and I think he is one of those players that just needs space to run and he'll just do his magic. It doesn't really matter what you want out of him or how you want him to play. I think he'll deliver no matter what. Uh I, I'm assuming he's going to have some competition uh, to start, but at the same time, I'm, uh, is he really? I think he's arguably one of the most underrated players in Europe right now, and he is a really, really solid uh, bonus, not only because he can play well, but he's also like a really good, apparently, uh, you know, nice teammate kind of guy. So I think there's a lot of positives for, for you bringing bring in Kostic, to be honest with you.
0: What do you mean by a nice teammate? He brings cakes in for everybody or like. Remembers does the, birthdays. Does, 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 he texts does everybody. <laughs> yeah.
1: he, does, he coordinates the wake up calls with the hotel uh, clerks and all that. <laughs> no, no. He's just like apparently like a really fun dude to like work with kind of guy. So, like, uh, why he's going to be missed at Frankfurt is not only because apparently, well, not apparently, he was a really good part of the team or a big part of the team. It was also apparently like really warm with the fan base, really warm with his teammates. Uh, coaches, The coach loved him last year. So. It's it's sort of like that really you know like overall decent kind of guy you know and um, you know you can always use that in the team
0: I suppose absolutely yeah very nice to hear good luck to him uh, Matt you did a video about Roma yesterday didn't you uh, you you mm. maybe anticipating something good from them this season
2: uh, well like I mentioned before with AC Milan winning it this, if Italy's really that wide open there's no reason why Mourinho can't mastermind uh, something <laughs> at the top of the top of the league for Roma I just think they've added so well. I saw um I saw a sort of predicted starting lineup of theirs and you look around and there's so much quality from everywhere to add to what they've got already, especially the signing of Paolo Dybala. yeah, Um it's absolutely wild to think of someone of his quality. It's no disrespect to Roma, but I was trying to think of what the equivalent would be in the Premier League.
1: I mean, you wouldn't have predicted for, Dybala to Rome two years ago, ever.
2: Yeah. Like to join the the club who finished sixth with no Champions League football after leaving Juventus, yeah, you know, in in what is it how old is he now twenty eight, twenty nine? That's like sort of in his prime, yeah. of, of his peak of his powers. It it really just a bit of a bizarre one, but yeah, they've obviously added Gino Iannozzo into the midfield. Did not work out at PSG for whatever reason? But we know his quality. And Amanium Matic is some good experience. They've of course got Pellegrini, the captain in there, um, Small Dini at the back. <laughs> uh, you know, they just <laughs> they've just got some really uh, they've signed uh Ziki Selic as well from Lille. They just got some a really good all round team. And as much as the Tottenham fan in me thinks Mourinho is washed up, he's clearly not. <laughs> Yeah, um, and he's clearly still got something to offer. So I wouldn't put it past him getting into the Champions League. Maybe the Scudetto is a bit out of reach, but certainly it's going to be a, a big, uh, a big season for Roma. I was talking to Damiano, our resident uh, Italian newsroomer and Roma fan, and he said that even before Dibala's announcement, every single season ticket had sold out. There was that much buzz and. <laughs> energy from the fans and the city around Roma, unless, of course, you're from the Lazio quarter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I expect big things from them. To yeah,
0: I mean, you see, they were, obviously Dybala got a big welcome by the fans in the city as well, mm. but even Van Alden, there was like, you know, at the airport, like uh, thousands of fans turned up for him. It was like, you know, do you remember when Darius went to Turkey a few years ago? It was uh, it was kind of reminiscent of that when uh, <laughs> they all went crazy for Cell except Van Alden's <laughs> actually a good player who I actually really rate. I don't, I don't understand where this sort of, like I think his, his his one year at PSG, you know, where it was a really bad year for PSG and he, he didn't do particularly well, but it's done sort of irreparable damage to his uh, his reputation in some mm. people's hands, so, uh, some people's eyes. Whereas when he went when he left Liverpool last season, I thought he was an incredible player.
2: But did they make Darius Fosel get into a swimming pool with his kit on?
0: Not as far as I'm aware, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a bizarre sort of Wijnaldum intro. Did they
0: do that? I didn't Maybe. see that. Oh
2: wait, you didn't see it. No. Uh, in that case, you must have just thought, Matt, what on earth are you all about, <laughs> talking about? Talking about Darius and swimming. a can pool? just yeah, the announcement video was Genie album underwater and sort of uh, bursting through the through th- through the waves. It was a swimming pool <laughs> sort <of> coming out. <laughs> Maybe there was a wave machine. On. Who knows? Sir? Yeah, 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 full kit on. And I just, my mate sent it to me and I said, imagine being that social media manager. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, just been introduced to the,
1: the, the pitching meeting for that. Like, okay, I have the concept <laughs> yeah. for it. it feels like Nathan Fielder kind of vibes. We put him <laughs> yeah, in a pool, full track. He comes out, we're born again. Like, what? No, like, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lay off the sauce a bit, buddy, but sure, we'll go with your idea.
0: <laughs> they, could have, they could have at least made some sort of magic lamp pun, couldn't they? With a genie in a bottle kind of
1: thing. Oh, whatever. yeah. The, yeah, Christina Christina Aguilera Aguilera. Yeah. To, yeah Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, talking of that i saw the i saw a great one today fulham announced the signing of is a diop from west Ham, yeah. and it was just is a kind of magic oh, see that's that's,
1: that's, that's a touch of
0: class that's yeah. good that's yeah good.
1: that is well done Fulham. i like a good dad joke in my, in my signings yeah. you know
0: <laughs> don't we all don't we all yeah let's uh, let's touch on a few more transfer topics now then the the first one says we last recorded a podcast Matt, the uh, the Arnautovic deal to Man United is dead the dream is over what a shame because that would have been great content <laughs> wouldn't it
2: yeah yeah that was just for the vibes yeah uh, it seemed like the fans were very very against it and like the i have two thoughts on this one firstly good for the fans you know they say look we don't want this guy representing our club after he picked up a ban at the euros Um, You know, an offensive uh, comment that he made during, I think, after he scored. Um, A, do fans maybe have too much power? Like, do they know everything, basically? In my experience, fans don't always know everything. But I understand why they would have said it. Um, And secondly, my thought behind this is, what if the club are doing this to get fans back on side?
0: (laughs) It was all a ruse.
2: yeah, it was all a ruse. And now United have come out and said, OK, fans, we love you. We appreciate you. We hear, we you. hear you. We hear you. Yeah, <laughs> we hear you. We're not going to sign Arnautovic. We we hear you. When really, they weren't going to sign him in the first place. They just wanted to get a good good bit of PR.
0: Could be the case. I mean, I... I can't imagine it doing great uh, for the reputation, really. I don't think uh, you know it's going to take yeah. a lot more than that to get the fans back inside, isn't it? But yeah, I know you're angry. A decade, but remember yeah. the time a decade we of misery on one by not signing one player <laughs> yeah. that we were not meant to sign to begin with.
1: My God, that was a weird transfer, a, a, a real rumor. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Very weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I don't really get about this um, this sort of a, approach for. A, a short-term solution that United are going for is why not just go for a long-term solution? Because they have no fucking Surely clue the,
1: what to do, mate. That's why.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you think the money would be there at least to, to splash out on somebody. Yeah,
2: true. Yes, someone mentioned the other day that they made three short-term signings in Ronaldo, Cavani, and then Odio Nigalo. Like, What if they just did one long one for those <laughs> yeah. three years? Wouldn't it make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah. I and mean, it's like, well, they got rid of Pogba this summer and now they're getting Rabio. You know, they have they got rid of Cavani, they're getting on they might as well just kept them both and... Probably would have been in the same same position. Probably a better position than they are now. But it, but let's let's say they they do have to go for this this short term player this this some of this short term striker signing. Anyone you would throw in the mix? I'm going to throw a name in there for you, Alexander Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Why not go for him? Huh. He looks very good for Fulham. He scored forty odd goals in the championship last season.
2: Hmm. But would he go to to be backup?
0: was this person going to be back up though or I don't really get what the plan is for United I don't.
2: well you would you would think that if Ronaldo stays he's not going to be back up for the majority of the season so I couldn't couldn't imagine it's not going
0: to work Ronaldo up front with, this with, the way his, it surely.
2: with the way his career's gone don't put it past two promoting signing <laughs> <laughs> That's a great show, <laughs> honestly. PSG to buy into Man United, like this is it's got true promoting written all over it. It's very true. His agent's magic, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. How
1: do you sell? I that, mean, this- how do you sell as an agent true to the big clubs? Uh, he must like under like under promise so so big, like you know, what? just bring him on. You meet the guy, he's a nice guy, you're gonna like him, he cooks really well. Uh, cause- yeah,
0: maybe he's got that sort of Philip Kostic reputation. Yeah, that you know, Kostic kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes a really good out or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, an- another one that there's some talk of uh, of Aubameyang to Chelsea, and I don't know if maybe United would would want to get involved in in that pursuit. Um, there's also some talk today that Xavi really wants to keep Aubameyang and. Isn't keen on letting him go? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. There's a lot, a lot of questions here. Would Aubameyang to Chelsea make sense? Would Barcelona let him go? If he stays at Barcelona, does he have a chance of playing with Robert evans there? Would he would he play out wide for Barca? Hmm. Take your pick from any of those questions, guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, leaving Barca, the thing with Barcelona and discussing anything regarding them is that since the numbers and the finance is such a big issue, of course, any player leaving makes sense because they kind of need to offload a couple of names. Does he fit uh, in United Sure why not uh, would he get along with Ronaldo and how would they split up the, the the minutes they would get I don't know I think that would be the tricky part how do you convince um yang to like oh just basically play wait and see till they solve the Ronaldo situation whether he stays whether he leaves because to be fair and maybe you guys see a bit clearer than I do but it's very much up in the air what's gonna happen with this guy with with Ronaldo so I think any signing that you want to make for the, for attack, is going to depend a lot on, you know, whether or not you get to offload Ronaldo or not because he's
0: not going to... The guy be- who doesn't want to be there but nobody wants to sign, yeah.
1: <laughs> what a mess. Man, that is just... That's just chaos. I love It's like the party's over and he won't leave. And that's it. And he's just there in your couch <laughs> eating your food at four in the morning. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it, man. And uh, I don't know. It's just really, really complicated. Um, but like I said, yeah, I think Obama Yan would be interesting. I don't, I don't know what the status on Memphis to pay is, but that could also be a shout um kind of you know they tried that once already <laughs> yeah there you go uh there you go they beat me to the punch uh <laughs> my god what a that's just chaos man but how about like a merry-go-round situation um because also like chelsea are keen on offloading a couple of attacking players no so would like Yek yeah. leave to united and obamian goes to chelsea and everyone's happy could that work maybe
0: I suppose so. Yeah, I mean the the, the stories that Chelsea want to sort of completely refresh their attack. They want to get rid of Ziyech and Pulisic and start from scratch. Yeah, they've already already offloaded uh, Lukaku. I'm yeah. not really sure sure of the logic yeah, behind Werner that one. Really, too, is also gone. So, yeah.
1: yeah, but it's, I don't know. It's pretty iffy because also like, yeah, no, I don't. I think United are screwed, man. I think they're going to have to <laughs> play with the false false nine as well. <laughs> Reinvent the game. <laughs>
0: Oh well, never mind. It's my be problem. Five. It's their problem. Good luck to. It's good TV. <laughs> it was, uh... It's good TV. <laughs> Speaking of Werner, actually, like he he sort of dropped a hint when he did his uh, his, his return to RB Leipzig press conference that other clubs had come in for him, and you know he he just wanted to go back to Leipzig, and and maybe the the suggestion there is that maybe United might have been interested in in taking him on loan or something like that, which again, like what a bizarre move that would have been, but yeah, yeah. As we were saying the other day, it's still kind of a little bit weird how it didn't work out for Werner at Chelsea. He made an interesting comment as well about how he said VAR destroyed his confidence, wow. which doesn't really smell particularly great, does it? For a striker <laughs> as to in say there that.
1: isn't VAR in the Bundesliga? Oh, well, there, there is, yeah. Does he know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's aware, because otherwise he's in it big for a big yeah. surprise. <laughs> yeah, he's
2: going to walk out on the first day, see that little screen and think, oh, oh bloody shit, yeah, not, not again! not here not again. again. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. That is a very... Very sort of uh, odd comment. I was actually analysing the Leipzig squad the other day, and it kind of makes sense that if he's to fit in a, you know, uh, a front two, it may suit him better to be back there alongside Andre Silva. They've also signed um, Chesko from next season onwards. That makes a little bit more sense, and maybe he just wasn't really, um, yeah, fitting into a sort of left wing, more isolated role maybe hmm. up front, like how Chelsea played.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, Well, speaking of Chelsea, they've got a big game this weekend involving your boys Tottenham, Matt. It's uh, the the biggest game of the Premier League weekend on uh, Super Sunday. Uh, How fierce is this rivalry between Chelsea and Tottenham, Matt? It's one of many London derbies and I'm never sure which one is the sort of most, I mean, I know which one Tottenham's is, it's obviously Arsenal, but where does Chelsea rank on Tottenham's list of London rivals?
2: Well, the, the the way I see it, and it's quite funny, is that Tottenham-Arsenal was consistently a rivalry. Mm. Right? Of course, you know, Tottenham-Arsenal absolutely hate each other ever since Arsenal moved up to North London from South London. The ones with Chelsea and West Ham sort of depend on how good the other one is doing. Um, you know, Chelsea, uh, Frank Lampard used to call it three-point lane <laughs> uh, whenever Chelsea <laughs> used to play at, at, at Tottenham. It was a bit of a joke. Tottenham weren't very good, you know, for my whole life, basically. And it was very easy for Chelsea. And it only really became more intense in the past few seasons when Spurs started winning, basically. And when there was more of an even playing field, uh, Spurs had quite a good home record against Chelsea. Chelsea have an immaculate home record against Spurs, aside from that one victory a couple of years back. So, yeah, it, it kind of depends on how close they were. There was, you know, look, they third and fourth from last season uh, a couple of years ago. They were first and second, I think, in 2018 under Conte at Chelsea so yeah it's the same with West Ham when West Ham are sort of a bit rubbish you know when they got relegated Tottenham West Ham was you know a big against little sort of game but when West Ham are doing half decent then it intensifies the rivalry so that's the difference between Tottenham Chelsea and Tottenham Arsenal I think everyone just hates Tottenham (laughs) as well (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: true. Actually, I don't really get that. I mean, they've not really yeah, been, yeah, a, yeah. been a serious threat for many many well, years, have they, Tottenham? So
2: I saw this on—I can't remember where I saw this stat—and obviously, depending on which era fan you are, you may completely disagree. Uh, but West Ham's biggest rival is Spurs. Arsenal's is Spurs, and Chelsea's is Spurs. <laughs> like they're just the biggest rival for whatever for whatever reason. Maybe it's a mix of the history with Arsenal, where they've actually been good, and the other two. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is there is no doubt that. It's the biggest game of season. The Chelsea Arsenal rivalry is a load of nonsense. Those <laughs> guys swap players, swap managers, True. swap you know technical directors. Like it's going out of style. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit mad. But certainly, I'm not very optimistic if that's what you were going to. Get.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to bring up the uh, the one win in 37 for Spurs at Stamford Bridge. It's been uh, a very unhappy is that it?
2: one in, in 37. Just one in 37. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh. do you remember when that was?
2: Yeah, it was only a few years ago. Danny yeah, Alley that's right. Two, yeah, 2019, yeah. I believe it was. Yeah. Um, Erickson scored a scored a brilliant. Card. Oh yeah, that was yeah. The one, yeah. The, I I have so so much to say about this, but <laughs> I'll try and keep it short and sweet. What I cannot understand, and this is what I've always thought about Tottenham, especially when you know away to the big teams. I know that you're going away to top four, top six sides, and going away to Chelsea in a London derby is very difficult. I just don't understand how it spans generations. (laughs) Like, if you said to me, this team has a mentality issue, I'd say fine. But once we've swapped this team and get new players in, there won't be a mentality issue. Then you say, get homegrown players, they understand (laughs) it more. Get foreign players who are more experienced. Get this, get that, new manager, new system. How is it that over 37 games, you know, which is spanning my lifetime, 30 years or a little bit more, Because I, I don't know if that was Premier League or not, or you were counting cup games. Or I
0: don't. I wasn't sure if you didn't know how long your lifetime was then. For a second, yeah,
2: yeah. I was going to say. I, so I didn't know if the extra seven. I was just talking Premier League, but obviously longer. Thirty-seven years consists of a lot of different players, managers, and tactics. So what? You know, when Chiellini said it's the history of Tottenham, I can never, I can never pin that down, and it it infuriates me so much because. There could be, you know, uh, Chelsea, last season, if you said, how were Chelsea? You'd say, well, they fell off a bit last season. <laughs> Chelsea weren't great, lost two finals, um, domestic cup finals, this, that, and the other. Played four games against Spurs, didn't concede a goal, won all four with a record of about 12 nil. I just <laughs> it, it makes no sense. I just don't understand how Chelsea could be really, really poor. Spurs can look on top of their game and they'll go to Stamford Bridge and lose. I, I, I really, I've given up trying to answer it. I'm just posing the question for everybody. Salt's law,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, Tottenham's record at Stamford Bridge is about as bad as City's record at Anfield. So I, I uh, have a sort of similar sympathy for you. But I suppose at least Anfield yeah. is, is, is a very intimidating ground. You know, a lot of away teams struggle there, and that kind yeah. of thing. Like, I don't really get that vibe from Stamford Bridge a lot of the time.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. There must be something. That that Tottenham just sort of buckle under the pressure, but if there's any reason to be optimistic, it's heading there with the team that we've got now, with Conte in charge, and maybe, just maybe, something can happen. Maybe, um, but yeah, tweet me the abuse. <laughs> yeah. You, uh...
0: Well, yeah, um, and
2: I will certainly be tweeting if we win.
0: Yeah, Spurs have got Harry Kane in in looking in pretty good form. Obviously, it's only mm. second game of the season. Jungmin Son, very good player. Dejan Kulusevski, looking very good. Danny, is that one of the best front threes in Europe at the moment? Would you say?
1: You could argue that definitely. I think yeah. that there, the issues that Tom might have aren't necessarily depending on the on lack of goal. I think a uh, few teams in Europe can actually like muster. You could actually even compare it to. Say a team on the opposite uh, pole of success, maybe like Bayern Munich. Now, without Lewandowski, even with Mane, it's kind of hard to argue that their top three, for instance, is as good. Uh, attacking three is, is as good as Tottenham's for that regard, or it's a very interesting comparison you can actually make there. Um, why? Because well, song is not only a versatile dude; he's great at counterattacks, he's great at starting everything. Kulusevski is fitting like a hand, like, like a glove in the hand, basically at Tottenham. Uh, you have Harry Kane, and then you have Richarlison. You're talking about a very, very robust attack here. Um, it's just something not clicking in the in the midfield, I reckon, or kind of slip ups in the defense here and there that they're trying to fix, I suppose. Obviously, Matt could feel that question a bit better of what they're doing in defense to fix kind of the issues. But um, you know, you do see the team is actually trying, and Gonte being Gonçalves uh, pushing for always more signings and the very calm, measured um, way he's gotten used uh, getting gotten us used to. Um, I don't know. I think it's 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 an interesting point to see what they can actually do with yeah one of the best attacking trios in in world football nowadays.
0: Indeed, yeah, and uh, and to add to that, they've got Richarlison. He's coming back from yes. his uh, his ban that he got at the end of last season, Matt for Everton, the uh, for throwing the f- the flare into the crowd. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, Are you expecting pyro from him this weekend at, at Stamford Bridge?
2: Um, very good segue there, Dan. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, he's not going to start. No, no, uh, the, the front three are, are the front three. Um, but would be interested to see the impact he has off the bench. I, I would definitely see him as a starter. I don't see him being bought as an impact player. Um, certainly not for his price and for his quality. But part of me thinks this could be... The sort of game for him, we know he's a feisty character. He plays aggressively. He's very, very energetic. He's got real quality. Uh, a, a London derby could be the perfect introduction for him, or it could go completely the other way, and <laughs> he just he rises far too high to the occasion. You know, gets a red card in two minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we'll certainly see him off the bench. In I'm sort of running through the substitutes. Lucas Mora was always one of the first to come off the bench and change the game with his speed. Um, but when you look at the Tottenham starting eleven, Richarlison has to be the number one sub. Yeah. Um, the, the the question is that you you don't really take the front three off because you know they can turn things in the in the blink of an eye. But certainly, Richarlison will definitely play a part of the weekend. I'd be amazed if he did. Do you
0: think you have to take Harry Kane off to put him on, or can Richarlison no. play in, in one of the wide positions?
2: No, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the wide positions. The, the weird thing is, if he was to play wide. <sighs>
0: I think he's more of a cutting
2: in from the left and playing wide right, which would mean taking Sonoff ahead of Kulusevsky, which also is unlikely Uh to happen um, given how key he is to Spurs, which is kind of odd, which kind of makes Kulusevsky know that he's the only one who's going to get taken off at that front three. Yeah. The only other way is if there's a big change in tactic, but I can't see Conte doing that overall. Never mind halfway through a
0: through a London derby. No, me neither. Yeah, yeah. A quick word on on Chelsea's sort of a forward line dilemma as well. They've they've not got that centre forward that they they need yet. Uh, they played, I think they played Sterling sort of centrally last week. and have it on the left. Is that the best balance for that forward line? You think, Danny? I mean, I've never really been convinced by Sterling as a as a central forward player, I think he's good at getting into positions in the box and can be good at finishing chances, but he's, uh, you know, he's a little bit lightweight, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was tricky to guess because also like Harvard's you can't fully say like he's the best false nine on the team, is he? Like, it's it's a bit of both. Like, um, they just lack someone of the, and it's, it's you know, kind of weird to explain it with a clear they just left the team, but they do lack the Lukaku kind of guy, like the, a reference in the area. And the penalty box that they can actually use to, you know, guide the attack, which is, I think, one of the main issues that Tuchel is going to have this season. There is no anchor up front on which to orbit the whole the whole game around. And if you're also keen not only getting rid of Werner, we already spoke about that, but you want to get rid of Pulisic, you want to get rid of Sijek, you really are thinning the squad mighty a lot for a team that's doing very very little to replace them. Um, and to rely heavily on Sterling and or Havertz to be like a false nine position in the team, it's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? Um, The great players in their own regard, I think their attributes just don't lie on those that you would need from a false nine necessarily. I just think they're good attackers, not for the role that they will be eventually fulfilling for for Tuchel this season. So it's either going to be a busy summer for what's left of August for Chelsea (laughs) or it's going to be a really, really busy winter for them because they're going to realize mighty quickly that you can't just, you know, Drop five names from attack and expect things to go smoothly.
0: Yeah, the false line era is over, guys. Yes. So last Move year, on. <laughs> number nines are back in fashion. <laughs> it'll come. It'll come back around. Don't worry. Uh, let's have a quick score prediction. I'm going to go for a two-one Tottenham win. Matt.
2: Oh, I would like to be as positive as you, but after just ranting, I guess I can't really predict a Spurs win. Can I? That's <laughs> really
0: ridiculous. I'll go. I'll go two all. Two all. Danny. Two 0 Two. Tottenham. Oh. Oh, go. my word, Danny. Man, man, trust You will me. be invited
2: back. <laughs> unless
0: he's giving you the kiss of death uh, in which case. Yeah, yeah, he, unless, uh, we'll never know. We'll never unless,
2: know. Unless viewers say goodbye to Danny. <laughs> <laughs> not viewers. Not viewers.
0: But maybe one day there will be viewers. That's a little sneak peek of maybe the future of the One Football Ooh. Podcast for you there. Maybe, maybe <laughs> if, you're, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, uh, we'll finish today with a, a list of question. Carl Evanson has written to us from Canada, and he says, "I want to know what the most overrated thing in football is, and what the most underrated thing is." He didn't specify really what he meant ah. by that, so I think we can sort of interpret it however we want. I'll give you my answers first, and maybe that will uh, that will inspire you. So, I think the most overrated thing in football is standing up while watching a game. I really don't see the big deal about this safe-standing stuff, great, whatever. I like a sit-down, personally. I've got a bad back. <laughs> Let me just relax and watch the game. Yeah,
2: he did a 5K yesterday. Exactly, yeah. Plan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has
0: to yeah. get I in shape to go you, to the stadium, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the most underrated thing about football is pies, stadium pies. You know, you see this uh, this footy Scran Twitter account going around with all these yeah, elaborate yeah. things, all these like pulled pork fucking, Keep you it know, simple, fucks. Nachos, yeah. You can't go wrong with a pie. Give me a bratwurst.
1: Give me a bratwurst any day of the week.
0: Chicken, bolty pie at the Etihad Stadium is one of the greatest meals you can have. So,
2: (laughs) yeah. I feel like that's uh, aimed at me because the Spurs Stadium does like Korean pulled pork and have all these fancy salmon dishes. Your fucking
0: cheese room and all that.
2: (laughs) Honestly, you saying you love a pie at a stadium just makes you sound so northern. Like, it's just. (laughs) I am what I am. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> bring back pies.
1: <laughs> bring back pies. Uh.
0: So, what are we thinking? Most overrated, most underrated things in football.
2: Me, me or Danny? Either Danny, of you, you want to go? Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> um, the most overrated thing for me is football kits.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that one.
2: Hate them. Can't stand it. Just wear a colour and just shut up. <laughs> I don't care about the reveal video. I don't care about the colour. Thank, Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Mystic, I, Navy. Not, <laughs> yeah, Mystic Navy, don't forget. Yeah, Mystic Navy. I'm not asked about the 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 cut, the stitching, the collar, whatever. That's bullshit. That is I mean, what it is. It's the wording. Players put it on, yeah, and you play football in it. Like, fair enough that you don't want to play in the ones they used to play in that are really heavy. Like they're kind of lightweight these days and breathable. I get that, but the rest of it, just people are obsessed with kits, and um, I don't get it. Uh, the most underrated thing for me is the tapping. <laughs> You see, you see, tap ins put down a lot. Going, oh yeah, well Ronaldo just scores tap ins, or blah blah, just scores tap ins are so easy. If they were so easy, everyone would do them. Yep, I agree. Like, imagine, Throw. imagine, imagine a striker out of confidence going, "Why don't I just do tap ins?" <laughs> <laughs> like, like if if they were that easy, the, a striker would never be without confidence because they just resort to tap ins when it's easy. It's just
0: a complete um, coincidence that people just end up on their own on the edge of the six yard yeah, box yeah, all the time. Just yeah, uh, yeah
2: exactly. Um, if anything, look you know it as a football fan, to time you run, to be in the right areas, to have the knack, they say, of scoring and knowing where to be is a skill. And if it was super easy, everyone would do it. So tap-ins are very underrated.
0: I agree. By the way, that, do you know that new Spurs third kit is inspired by Tottenham's ever-evolving DNA? Does that make you feel any better about it, Matt?
2: <laughs> what does that even mean? What DNA? losing to Chelsea! <laughs>
1: oh, my God um
0: go on go on daddy take it to the bridge
1: all right fuck it why not Not Stanford um bridge. not sanford bridge no the other bridge um <laughs> most overrated and this hear me out here it's fa- not fashion related but the scarf in football it's sort of like mm. this quintessential part of the kit when you're, when you're a fan like you have to have a scarf or everyone's like waving around their, their fucking scarf i don't get it i mean probably because i come from the caribbean and you know we don't really wear scarves over there um the weather and all, but uh, I just find it weird thing. Like you, like if you're a person in public and you see them carrying a scarf, not wearing a scarf, mind you, carrying one, there's only one place on earth they're going to go. Why? Like what's the, I can't really fathom it. Someone will have to explain to me one day why this is such a you know quintessential part of the fan experience that I have to own football scarves. Because <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like it, it's just not my thing. Cool if it's yours, but I cannot stand a scarf. And the most underrated... Um I was thinking about maybe like something in the football fan experience that is and it's will tell you what it is. It's probably commuting to the stadium. I actually enjoy the i hate leaving a stadium i I enjoy arriving at one the whole Mm. you know march towards the ground everyone's like picking their place everyone's kind of like there with a purpose there's this buzz in the air i live for that shit i think that is one of the nicest feelings there is in the football ground that is sort of that community and you really do get that really really intensely no matter how big the game or how small the game is uh when you're arriving at the stadium when you're going to the stadium and i think in the end that's kind of one of the things that engages people the most, you know, not the, better
0: than the game itself sometimes.
1: I mean, yeah, you, sometimes you go to games, <laughs> the game is dog shit, but this, the fans are fantastic. And I think that it's just <laughs> part of that momentum that that maybe players live differently, obviously, because they're, you know, literally on the pitch. But uh, as a fan, it's quite nice to see that your fellow fan or fellow fan mate, if you will, uh, is, you know, they're up in arms with you, like ready to say, like, yeah, let's fucking get him, guy. We're here for a reason. I, I, yeah. I appreciate that a lot.
0: Well, what a lovely way to end the show that was. Thank you very much for that. Thank you to Matt and to Danny for joining me and to everybody for listening. Remember, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com if you want to get your question into us for Monday's show or tweet us at FussballDan or at Matt underscore Frolich. just got to learn how to spell that. It's quite easy, really. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back on Monday. We'll be reviewing the biggest games and the biggest talking points from the weekend's action. So be sure to join us then.